What is up and welcome into Uncovering Success. My name is Brady Slayball. If you haven't had a chance yet, if you're on iTunes, go subscribe to the podcast. If you're on Spotify, go follow. Follow along wherever you get your podcast at. Leave me a review. I appreciate the feedback there. So this week, my guest is a longtime family friend, David Anthony Kaufman. After many years of sales in his father's realty and auctions business, he recently just took over as president of Kaufman Realty and Auctions. In business and faith, Davey is a prominent and looked up to member in his hometown of Berlin. From business and leadership to travel and passions, we get some deep insight into just a little bit of the knowledge he's acquired over the years. Let's get into it. You don't set out to build a wall. You don't say, I'm going to build the biggest, baddest, greatest wall that's ever been built. You don't start there. You say, I'm going to lay this brick as perfectly as a brick can be laid. There will not be one brick on the face of the earth that's going to be laid better than this brick that I'm going to lay in this next 10 minutes. And you do that every single day. And soon you have a wall. wall. All right, Anthony. So, um, I mean, I, I've known you for a while, so I know you as Davey, but um, I know in the business world you're known as Anthony. Um, but I appreciate you sitting down with me today. I know you're a very busy person, president of Kaufman Realty and Auctions. Can you kind of give us a little bit about what you do, maybe on the day-to-day basis, and what Kaufman Realty is? Sure. Well, well, first of all, Kaufman is a real estate and auction firm. Um, we specialize in the sale of real estate at auction. Uh, we do that through different vehicles. Uh, we do online-only sales as well as live sales, simulcast sales. So the, the, the niche that we've kind of developed is real estate at auction, although we do quite a bit of just traditional real estate sales. Uh, in addition to that, we sell contents pretty much across the board, um, whether it's firearms or heavy equipment, antiques, pretty much any uh, anything that you can think of, we're we're going to sell. As to uh, as to what I do on a daily basis is more the management end of things. Um, used to be com- in sales. That was uh, what I did probably until about two to three years ago, when I moved uh, completely away from that and moved into just a managerial role. Nice. And what kind of areas do you guys service? So we cover all of Ohio, although the five offices we have in Ohio are kind of centered from the Kidron area to the southeast. So if you went through a line from from Kidron and the Worcester area and went southeast towards Marietta, you kind of hit all of our offices. We have some agents that are a little closer to Columbus. Uh, We do have an office in Bridgeport, West Virginia. So we, we stretch across that line. We're also licensed in Pennsylvania and just recently became licensed in Florida. We do uh, additional auctions, for instance, in um, Kentucky, uh, Missouri, Iowa, some of those places as well. Generally, those are in, uh, in some of the planner communities where our name carries maybe a little bit more weight. So I know that your dad started Kaufman, correct? And you kind of saw that come into light maybe through your high school, college years. Um, for you, did you feel maybe pressure to to come into the business or to maybe take over those operations one day? You know, I don't know that I ever felt pressure to to be a part of the company. I, it was just kind of an assumption. Um, the assumption was there that as as the oldest, I would kind of follow Dad's footsteps and I would move into the business. Um, you know, the, the difference was I never I was never an auctioneer. 
Um, Dad, in his foresight, said, you know, there's going to be good auctioneers that exist out there. It's better for you to continue to go to school, get your required classes, actually become a real estate broker. And, uh, and that can be, be more of what you are going to do. I actually did multiple times contemplate going to auction school uh, with my brother-in-law, Kurt, uh, my brother, Pat. And I just never, I never did it. And it's probably better, better served that, uh, that I didn't. Um, I'm not good at it, first of all. Uh, but as far as, as pressure then to take over for dad, years ago, I met with a, a local business leader and he probably set me free of those those uh, pressures more than anybody else. He said, Anthony realized something. He said, you are not your dad. He said, you will never be your dad. He said, you are not able to fill his shoes. You're not going to be that person. He said, you instead are going to have to focus on who you are as an individual and who you are as a leader. And he had this analogy that I thought was really good. He said, you know, a rocket has multiple stages. So the same way as a business has multiple stages, in that first stage is that massive thrust that gets the business off the ground and it gets it up into the, out of the atmosphere. But the second stage looks completely different. It may burn more efficiently. It has differences from the first stage. And he said, you need to be that second stage in order for Kaufman to succeed. And the other thing that he said is, uh, recognize that you're going to put people around you to accomplish what your dad has done, that you can't just be that person. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's a pretty cool analogy. And was there a point maybe early on in the, the management or maybe right out of college that you realized you could really be that, that second part of that analogy and make it extremely successful? You know, I don't know that I ever felt that way personally um, because – I did enjoy doing sales. I enjoyed that that portion of things where I was involved um, with the consumer, be it the buyer or the seller. And I never felt strongly that I was the person. I always assumed that we would grow to a certain point at which we would hire someone from the outside who would come in and and become that uh, the managerial aspect of the company. Um, when we started to grow to that point, and I recognized that uh, between the agents that we had in place and some of the areas we covered, and maybe the way we were doing things, this had the potential for additional growth. Uh, it was actually more of other agents saying, no, you would be the one who would fit in this particular role. And I guess it was more of their prompting that got me to that point than it was me ever thinking that this is something I would be, you know, I'd fit in. Mm -hmm. And one of the, one of the things I like to to ask older, more experienced people is about a failure that they've had. So you're saying I'm old? I got gotcha. you. Older yeah. than me. Older than you. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Yeah. Is this where I say, yeah, I remember when you were born? Yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I can point to a lot of failures. So. You know, every coach says, hey, we learn more on our failures than we do on our wins, uh, that type of thing, our losses and our wins. Um, there, there's been multiple situations that have come up. One of the early things where, where it's, I guess, not a specific thing, but maybe a culmination is where I thought that I could be all parts to the equation, where I felt that as a, uh, as a leader, I could do all these different things. And, and that's probably the, the biggest stumble that I had was not understanding that my skill set doesn't fit all of this stuff. And I feel like a lot of people that are just starting out can kind of fall into that pretty easily where they want to have a hand in all the operations to make sure that they're all running smoothly. 
when in reality, sometimes you have to fill your weaknesses with other people and put them in positions where they can have full force on maybe the advertising of the business or bringing in new clients. Um, is that kind of what you dealt with? Yeah, that's spot on. What you're talking about there, I think, is so accurate. Um, we have a tendency when we when we either start a company or maybe take that 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 second step where we feel that our way of doing things is done so correctly that we want to have our finger on all the decisions that are made. Mm-hmm. Um, not to dive into politics, but it's often been said that President Reagan was one of the greatest presidents that ever served in the United States. And nobody would ever say that he's the smartest president that ever served, but his skill set, he understood his weaknesses. And so he delegated. And he was sure to delegate and put people that were smarter than him in the positions where they could, you know, where they could blossom. Um, And I think as a, as a young leader or an entrepreneur, when they get into those positions, understanding that they do have some inadequacies, because we all do. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I tell yeah. you that I am a five in money management and I work really, really hard at it, I might get it up to six and a half, maybe a seven, still never going to be more than average at best. So why wouldn't I instead work on a, a strength of communication that I have where I might be an eight and I can, can become a nine and instead put somebody else in that position of money management who's already that eight or nine and is always going to be more successful at it than I am. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I feel like another part of maybe an early startup or a business is your ability to adapt and adapt quickly. And like you said, for you, communication is a big strength. So I feel like that's something you might be good at is putting that vision into place. How do you feel like the COVID pandemic has impacted um, the way we think about business? And, and even in, with Kaufman, too, how has that impacted how you guys have gone about your operations? Yeah, we talked about this a little before we, before we started recording here, but it's, it's going to sound very cliche, but COVID has been that pressure um, that hopefully is going to reveal a diamond for a lot of uh, organizations. Um, I think what, what it what it forced us to do is recognize some inadequacies we had in, in our structure, in our company. Uh, for instance, do we, have the proper, uh, do we have the proper online capabilities? Are we using those things? And if we already have them, why aren't we utilizing them? So for us, it was ensuring that, that we were fully functional outside of the office, that all of our systems were cloud-based so people didn't have to come into the office. In addition to that, it was important that we offer uh, safe ways for people to conduct business with us. And that could have been anything from, uh, from Zoom meetings to uh, online contract signing, virtual contract signing. Then, of course, moving a lot of our sales to the online-only online platforms. Then mm-hmm. um, do you feel like some of the online platforms that you've used have helped or has that just mainly um, – hurt you maybe like your in-person sales and what you're trying to sell at an auction are there advantages and disadvantages to that man that's a question you're going to have to ask uh different (laughs) auctioneers because i'm sure if uh, if you had dad sitting next to me right now he would probably have a different opinion i think that the online only is a is a massive tool that will never go away 
and there are definitely products, real estate types that do better in that format, that mm-hmm. really do better in that format. There is still a place for the live sale. And that also I don't think will ever go away, especially in, in a lot of the communities that we serve where they are a little bit more uh, accustomed to that type mm-hmm. of sale. But the online-only platforms have not been a hindrance. They've actually been a, a massive plus for us. We found a new set of buyers that we didn't know existed previously because those people are much more willing to participate in that type of a setting versus participating at a live sale. I mean, you and I, um, you know, we're competitive people. So mm-hmm. if, if I see you at a sale and, 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 and I'm at a sale, we'll go at it against each other. But not everybody feels that way. They're much more likely to sit there and click enter on their keyboard than they are to bid face-to-face with somebody else. Yeah, that's a great point. So for people my age, a lot of us and a lot of talk, maybe from a social media influencer or something like that, is about finding your passions and and going about what your job is based off of what your passions are. And maybe a lot of people have said, you know, your passion needs to be or your job needs to be a passion for you to be able to go all in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, this is where you and I, where I'll probably push back against that a little bit. I think, uh, I think sometimes we, we sell this bill of goods to, to young people that, that getting into something, they have to automatically be passionate about it when they get into it. So my feeling is, first of all, you're going to have to like whatever career you get into. So you're, you're not going to get into something. For instance, I'm not going to, to you know, get into an, a, being an accountant and assume that at some point I'm going to, it's going to become my passion. But that being said, I think that the only way to, to truly become passionate about something is to spend time with it and to grow into it. Um, using the analogy, and now, now bear in mind, this analogy does not hold true all the way through. So just understand the first part here. But if we look at... Uh, marriage and we look at at your career so when when I got married to Julie I loved her all right we've been married 22 ish years something she like gonna that. be mad that you don't she know that be, yeah it's, it's in 22 23 um, but as I have grown to know her more and discovered those intricacies my passion for her has grown and so I think it's very similar with with your job now it's a much bigger deal if you decide to switch spouses than if you decide to switch careers that's where the analogy falls apart but uh-huh. <laughs> up until that point you know you're you're going to grow into into your passion for whatever it is that you're in um you know i i the other thing that i, that I like to always think of is especially when when you may not be as passionate about uh, your profession as you are say your hobbies is Keeping you, you, your your profession can be the vehicle that gets you to those other passions. Mm-hmm. So, I think you're going to have to get to that point, but I don't necessarily know that you have to start at that point. At the passion, yeah. And so, for someone like me, I've kind of come to the realization that of how important it is to have mentors mm-hmm. and those kind of people in your life that have been successful and been there and done that. For someone that might look at you that's that's a little bit older than me and been through a lot of it and is maybe on the top right now or super successful. We don't think maybe you've had a mentor or you have mentors ahead of you 
um, that you're looking up to because you're more of the the mentee or the mm-hmm. mentor sure. giving help to mentees. What about for you? Who have who's kind of influenced your life and um, kind of given you some good advice? Yeah. So um, I mean, it, you're in, you're in a, a similar position in that you have a uh, a dad who's been very successful, and and so obviously. Uh, Dave has influenced you in the same way that my dad has influenced me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a definite positive. But I think it's important that we look for mentors who are outside of, of that familial structure because they have a tendency to maybe speak a little bit more truth into your life than, uh, than a dad will do. So over the years, I, I tried to make it a practice of meeting with different people who were leaders um, not necessarily always business. It might have been uh, spiritual leaders. Um, it could have been other things like that that I would meet with on a, on a regular basis. And there have been businessmen in other industries who have helped me quite a bit through that. And then I probably for the last, I don't know, 10 to 12 years have met on and off with a business coach um, who has just, and even, even to the point of maybe more of a personal coach um, where they have helped you understand uh, strengths and weaknesses and been willing to tell you what you're doing correctly and also what you're not doing correctly. Mm-hmm. So that stuff is, uh, it is important. I mean, developing a, uh, a relationship with a mentor is, can be critical for, for young leaders. And I think it's important too, that a lot of that is just opening your mind to, to something new or bigger and yeah. better that you can't quite, or your family can't quite yeah. get their head around. Um, I know, especially for me, since I moved to Columbus, mm-hmm. um, I've met a lot of really cool people that I never would have had the chance to meet. But those, all those people have been through a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. And for me to, to hear that and learn from their stories has really helped me as well. Yeah. So in looking at um, now you're the president of Kaufman Realty and you're, you're more into the management side than what you used to be. How, how do you kind of run... Uh, maybe the day-to-days of the office and what are some some culture-wise things that you really believe in for Kaufman to keep it running? Sure Um, so day-to-day for me is maybe not uh, as as managerial as we might think it's probably a little bit more uh, big picture so whether that's meeting with uh, our director of marketing to put something in or that's going and meeting with individual offices new potential agents, getting some policies together from that standpoint. I have a, um, an old school whiteboard where I'm constantly writing down new projects that we want to attack, as well as completed projects. also have an area for problems that need to be tackled. So I'm constantly working through what, what has to be done in that area. One thing that we're striving, though, as a company is that we continue to, to uh, advance but still stay grounded in who we are. So, um, you know, you can sit here and say things uh, like this is our vision, our values, our mission statement, that type of thing. You know, we're commitment, innovation with integrity, uh, different things. But what I try more with our agents to for them to understand is that we are not a sales company. Um, we are a service firm. So you as an individual are not a sales agent, but you're actually a service personnel. Don't fall in love with the outcome, but instead fall in love with servicing that client because that's going to produce more clients for you in the long run. So that's if, if there's one thing that I constantly look to for for the company and for new agents is to remember that we are service first, sales second. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's really important too because when it when an agent's meeting with a potential buyer or something, you know, instead of hey, I think this is the house you need and and this is the one I want to sell you, it's how can I sell you or how can I get you your best house? Yeah. And, and I feel like you have to look at it that way because going away from that sale, then let's say they might make that sale. They're going to look back on that and say, Hey, what, what he did for me wasn't in my best interest. So moving forward, I'm not going to recommend them around to anyone. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, if we look, if we look at a client that walks through the door as a dollar sign and a commission, uh, you know, a commission, we are invariably going to make poor decisions for that client. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think of them in, in terms of what we are going to make off of them, at some point we're going to lead them to a decision that is not what's best for them. Uh, some time ago I got a, a text from a, from a client, and it's probably some of the nicest words he ever said. He said, I'm, I'm always impressed by your agents in that they don't, they don't necessarily give me advice that is beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. And that was important because these agents are understanding that what is beneficial to the agent is not necessarily what is going to be beneficial to the client. Wow. And I think that definitely is um, good props to you because all that has to start from the top down. Um, and I, I know you're a big learner, too, and you enjoy reading books, listening to podcasts. Do you have any maybe book recommendations for us, especially someone that might be just coming out of school, young professional-wise, something that we can kind of dive into? Yeah, there's, there's a great series, and these are uh, they're real easy reads. In fact, uh, I had read the, the first couple of them that came out, and then they had maybe two or three more that came out, and I read them in uh, a weekend just because I, I wanted to uh, encourage our, our company to read them. And then in order to make sure they read them, I had to know what they actually were about. <laughs> um, but the Go-Giver series. So mm. the Go-Giver series, and you may have read it, at Go-Giver Sells, Go-Giver Sells More, uh, Go-Giver Leader, Go-Giver Influencer, and there may be another one that I'm missing. Those are all uh, simple books. They all deal with business parables. So it's not a situation of just going through and reading a real dry. They're, they're easy reads. Um, I think your dad and I, in fact, mm-hmm. read uh, a couple of those back in the day. But those four or five books are great reads. Now, I like, um, I like the, the psychology of why things happen yeah. and how they happen. So anything by Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, True. you know, it doesn't matter if it's Outliers or uh, What the Dog Saw or David and Goliath. All of his stuff are good because you talked about it earlier when I thought it was so key is that, you know, maybe listening to other people or, or reading something else gets you to think of something in a different way that you never did before. And Gladwell kind of did that for me. And then in addition to that, um, there's some free, uh, books, Freakonomics, which deal mm-hmm. with uh, cultural happenings, but they're based on the numbers. Uh, so it's a completely different different way to look yeah. at it. There's some, some very controversial thoughts in there. I don't subscribe to what the guy's saying, but I will say that it was super interesting to read. That's cool. What about, um, I know you're a big travel person as well. You like to explore the globe and, and see some new places and new cultures. What are maybe your favorite travels or one or two places that you've been to that either you would recommend for yeah. someone my age or yeah. you just loved it? Well, you've done a lot of traveling, so uh, I'm not <laughs> sure that I hit anywhere that you've not been. Uh, I will say this, you know, I, I do love to go um, overseas. Uh, you can't ever go wrong when you go to the American West, uh, mm-hmm. and that can be the Canadian Rockies too. 
But if, if you're asking for just crazy things that you'll never see again, uh, Prague in the Czech Republic Ooh. is, you know, and I always thought, ah, oh, Prague. And we went, and we went as a family, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was so, so cool. It was Europe, but it, yet it had kind of that Eastern European thing where, where it's kind of someone who's, uh, you know, very refined, but maybe a little unhinged. Yeah. Uh, so that the other the other city that I was at, I was not there for a long time. Um, I would not recommend doing it on your own. I would definitely recommend having a guide. If you want more info on that, you can ask my brother Corey what goes wrong when you don't do that. <laughs> but uh, Istanbul, Turkey, I have Ooh. never been to a place like that. I've been to Amman, Jordan, which was awesome, but Istanbul, Turkey is just. Is it the culture or the people? The culture, the people. It's one of the largest cities in in the world. Uh, it's just massive, and it is divided specifically between Europe and Asia. And on the on the European side, you kind of have a little bit more of the New World. Uh, you've got a little bit more of that sense. When you go to the Asian side, it's a little bit more Old World. And you have the clash of so many cultures there. So obviously, um, it, it is a heavily Muslim area now, but that was the center of the Christian world at one point as well, and it was the center of the Roman world when it was Constantinople. So you go yeah. and you visit these just, like the Blue Mosque, for instance, mm -hmm. which I thought was just killer, and I found out from my brother Corey, no, the other mosque next to it is actually much more steeped in, uh, in, in history and tradition. And I didn't realize that pretty much all those mosques were Christian churches at one point. Wow. And so it's just there's a ton that's going in. You go to the bazaar. Uh, you got to watch it, though, because it is uh, it's wild. It yeah. is, is really wild. I don't know that I would be that up for taking uh, taking my family to that, but it is yeah. a great spot. History is so cool, and especially that's one of the biggest reasons I love traveling is to see where people have been and, and maybe – you know, when they had a big idea for the Declaration of Independence mm. in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. like what room were they in? What was the setting? What yeah. was it like there? Um, what kind of inspired those ideas? Um, but to kind of wrap up here, one of the things I like to ask all my guests is what do you feel like success is? Maybe in your life or when you think about success at the end of your life, mm -hmm. what are you going to say? Hey, I was successful. Yeah. Um, when I think of success, I think of providing for my family and being there in a way that years from now, my daughters and hopefully my grand, my grandchildren look back on and say, you know, dad was there for us. He was there when we needed him. He provided the things that we needed for him and, and he always put us first. So that is first and foremost. Um, you know, we talked just briefly about religion. I think, uh, Anybody in our position would say, well, success is when we get to heaven and, and Jesus calls your name. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's, that's pretty successful. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we want to actually dig down into, uh, into the business aspect of it, I would love to see the, the company continue beyond not just my generation and, and possibly, uh, you know, my children's generation, but into that, that fourth generation. Mm -hmm. That would be a success. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Davey. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule um, and, and looking forward to see what's down the road for Kaufman. You got it. Thanks, Brady. Appreciate it. So you just heard my interview with Davey. Um, I, I really enjoyed the thought-provoking discussion we had on whether your job truly needs to be your passion when you get started out. I'd love to hear your favorite part as well. Shoot me a message on Instagram or LinkedIn and let me hear what your takeaways are. 
you haven't had a chance yet, go subscribe or follow the podcast and, and leave me a review. I really do appreciate the feedback and appreciate everyone reaching out. So I want to thank you for coming along on this journey with me of uncovering success. Oh.